In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. This morning, I thought we could take a few minutes to talk about a subject that is near and dear to all of our hearts, worry. So, show of hands, who among us tends to be a little bit of a worrier? Okay, put them in. Who's a worrier when there's nothing to worry about? Same people, that's surprising. There are those who say that worrying about life is just part and parcel of the human condition, that it's part of our human nature. But it's often true that those things that we say are human nature are in fact human habit. The great Franciscan saint, priest, and confessor, Padre Pio, had this to say on the subject. Pray, hope, and don't worry, he writes. Worry is useless. God is merciful and hears your prayer. He went on to tell Christians that you must have boundless faith in the divine goodness of God, for in this way, victory is all but certain. Now this statement by Padre Pio about not worrying is quoted regularly in different contexts throughout the church. I worked over the summer with a Catholic deacon and hospital chaplain whose patron saint was Padre Pio, and as you might imagine, in a hospital setting, he used to quote that bit I gave you a second ago quite often. Pray, hope, and don't worry. Pray and don't worry. Don't worry. The catch, I think, for many Christians when they're given this advice, regardless of the source, is that it presents something of a challenge. If we're being honest, most of us don't like to have our spiritual life make us think differently or worse yet, do differently. But if we know much about Padre Pio, we know that he loved a good challenge. He saw the difficulties and pains of human life as chances to grow in our connection to Christ. So this morning I'd like to issue the same spiritual challenge to all of us. And while I'm no saint and certainly no Padre Pio, this challenge is one that I've issued countless times before from this pulpit and many others. So here it is. For St. Pio's challenge to us to make sense, for it to truly take hold in our lives and hearts as something that narrows the spiritual gap between us and our Creator, we must deeply and earnestly examine our understanding of prayer and the way it functions in our lives. So I'll let you in on a little secret. Diane and I spend a great deal of time being silly and spouting television quotes at each other when we're together here at the parish or out in the community. It's a coping mechanism, I think, for us both. But one of our absolute favorite shows to quote is MASH, especially the first three seasons, those ones with Colonel Blake and Frank Burns. In one episode, Frank is testing a patient who believes himself to be Jesus. He says that he said a little prayer to the patient in an effort to discern his real identity. If the patient can fulfill his wish, Frank deciphers, he must, therefore, be Jesus. Hawkeye tells Frank that he knows he prayed for chocolate pudding. 
Frank wants to know how Hawkeye knows that, and Hawkeye replies, because you always pray for chocolate pudding. I know it sounds silly, but it's really a wonderfully lighthearted example of the way that so many of us, myself included, often, if not always, pray. You see, we tend to think of prayer as something like making our Christmas list from one of the old wish books from a big department store. When wish books and department stores were both a thing, I think we probably most of us remember that. As kids, we would fantasize about all the toys and games and stuffed animals and dolls and trucks. Then we'd make a list and pass it on to mom and dad. They told us that uh, they would pass it on to Santa, and we never doubted the idea. But I remember one Christmas morning when I was about five. I woke up to find under the tree just about any toy a kid could possibly wish for. At least in my memory, that pile of packages and gifts was taller than I was. I was tearing paper and ripping open boxes for what seemed like forever. I can't imagine what possibly would have been missing from the list I'd given my parents, but I wandered off into my bedroom in tears. A few minutes later, my mom found me sitting on the end of the bed crying. And she asked why, and I told her, I guess Santa can't bring everybody everything they want. I was heartbroken, but not to the extent that my mother was. She never forgot that moment until the end of her days. So right about now, you're asking yourself, what do chocolate cake and spoiled little boys at Christmas time have to do with learning to pray in new ways about not worrying? In seminary, we're taught to pray wisely and well. That doesn't mean that we're trying to talk God into something, into doing what we want him to do. In reality, we are doing, or we should be, quite the opposite. We should be praying for what God wants. To pray wisely and well means that we are working to align our spiritual life the way we lead our lives in the sight and presence of God and his will. Spending 11 weeks going from room to room as a chaplain in a large urban level one trauma center necessarily means that we spend lots and lots of time praying. Alone, with patients and family, with caregivers. It's tiring. I'd even go so far as to say it's exhausting. But I realized early on that it's not a one-size-fits-all sort of activity, this praying thing that we do. Some rooms are occupied by patients who are well enough recovered that they are in the process of heading home. Then, of course, we should offer a prayer of joyous thanksgiving. But if that isn't the case, and we find ourselves confronted with a situation in which the patient is very near the time of death, and everyone in the room knows it, then shouldn't we be praying a very different sort of prayer? There's nothing wrong, don't, don't mistake me, there's nothing wrong at the end of someone's life with praying for a miracle that they will get better and rejoin their family. But if everyone, including the person in the hospital bed, knows that their end is near, it changes things. So we circle here back to Padre Pio. You see, he's not telling us to pray and to hope and to not worry because God will always give us what we ask for. I, I think instinctively we know this is true. I can pray for my Cubs to win and to play in the playoffs, 
But if I'm wise, I can see that apparently right now someone is praying for their team a little bit harder than I'm praying for mine. If winning is the desired outcome, it would appear those other sports teams have got a corner on the market. Imagine if, we all, if all we did was pray our wish list only to have the answer so often come back a resounding no. Then what? Well, what if we don't pray our wish list, or rather we do, but there's only one thing on it? Wisdom. The wisdom through prayer and scripture and worship and meditation to understand God's divine will and align our own with it. Again, especially in painful situations, there's nothing wrong with praying for a miracle. Certainly our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is much more than capable. But in the end, that kind of prayer won't bring lasting peace. We pray for a loved one who is sick, but they die despite our prayer. Is God cruel in this case, or is his will simply different from our own? We pray for a fancy new house. God answers that prayer with a home, but then we lose our job. Is God a thug who delights in seeing our suffering? Or have we prayed unwisely, unwell, and yes, perhaps a bit selfishly? So, what makes the most sense from a spiritual and theological point of view? To pray endlessly for a litany of objects and worldly fulfillment that at best provide temporarily what seems like happiness or peace of mind? Or should we pray for understanding and acceptance, love and compassion? In short, should we pray for the grace to understand what God has for us, what he would have us do, and then lean into it? The kind of peace and freedom from worry that St. Pio talks about comes from this kind of prayer. The great theologian and mystic Thomas Merton says, and here I must paraphrase, Lord, I don't always know the right thing to do, but I believe that the fact that I want to please you pleases you. So let's try this spiritual experiment of praying, not for what we want, but for the peace and understanding which comes from praying for the wisdom to grasp what God wants, and then to do it, heart and soul, mind and body, and most importantly, without worry. May God bless you and hold you in the palm of his hand, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.